All right, folks, a quick message before we get started from our sponsors, React Health. React Health, formerly 3B Medical, a leading provider of sleep, sleep diagnostic, and respiratory products. Now back to the show. All right. It's another show, and you know what that means. It's time for pre-cals. All right, gents, what's happening? Hey guys, we've got Ellie Gottlieb, uh, Dr. Ellie Gottlieb from Sleep Score Labs with us today. Uh, you know, this is another one of those situations where we have invited someone who's extremely um, much smarter than we are, and uh, I think we're going to learn a lot today. Um, you know, I, I remember back when uh, they were, were Sleep Score was first uh, formed as a company. They, um, it was a joint venture between Dr. Oz and, and ResMed. I, I don't know what the ownership structure looks like today, but, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I know they've got some no contact monitors and, and apps that they use to uh, help improve patients with their sleep, but uh, I think he's going to be a, a great guest for us and, and share a lot of helpful information for us. A scientist, huh? Sleep yeah. scientist. That sounds uh, really interesting, really exciting. Um, yeah, when you said uh, way smarter than most than all of us, uh, it doesn't take much to be way smarter than me. I can tell you that right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be fun you to know, just I... hear what he has to say because you know when you look at all that that um, you know our our listeners have to manage with technology, it's just it. I think it can be daunting. And, you know, I can't imagine being a, a, a sleep educator and having someone walk in with an aura ring and a Fitbit and everything else, <laughs> and then really trying to, to manage that. And I would probably be one of those people because, you know, we're all kind of nerdy like that, but right. yeah, I, I just can't imagine, you know, what our colleagues have to deal with, with so much information coming at them. Hey, I would wear my I'd wear my Apple Watch at night if I if it didn't have to charge. You know, now that you said that, I think there was a time when I would sleep with the Fitbit. I, I don't I lost it. I don't know where the hell it is anymore. But uh, I think there was a time when I I used to have that just to see what it was doing and compare it to my poor knowledge of sleep sleep health. Well, I've got an Aura Ring, and and even though I think it's interesting data, I know enough about sleep to be a little bit kind of thrown off by what I read and thinking I can't be right. But I just imagine being a patient with no knowledge of sleep, bringing that in with this dogmatic point of view of, you know, this is how I'm sleeping. My oral ring said so. And, you know, what are you going to do, doctor, you know, with the information I've just given you? And then, you know, so it'll be fun to hear about how, how, you know, uh, you know, our guests can talk about how these things can fit together. Robert, you were just gonna, you were just about to say something. No, Emerson covered it. We're, we're good. I, let's jump into the show. This is, uh, this is good stuff. Let's, let's before we over talk and think, and and think we have an idea of what he's gonna tell us. Let's, uh, let's hear from him directly. I Sounds think good. you're right. Overthinking is not good when it comes to smart people. So, on to the show, folks. Hold up, hold up, folks. We've got some exciting news for you right now, right here on Sleep Tech Talk. Want to let you know that we are looking for 2023's Person of the Year. That's right, Sleep Tech Talks 2023 Person of the Year. How are we going to do that? Well, listen up. Every any guest that's been on the show so far, and any guest that's going to be on our show for this year, 2023, 
or all nominees or all candidates for this recognition. And how you can help is by listening and or viewing that specific episode. We're going to be counting the number of plays for each episode, or we're going to be counting the number of listens for each episode and taking that into consideration. If you have anybody that you think should be a candidate, let us know. And we will see what we can do to get them on board as a nominee. At the same time, we need your help to make this happen, to select that person of the year. Along the way, we hope to introduce some other awards as well. But in the, in the meanwhile, do everybody a favor, do us a favor, and listen in to your favorite guest. So by early next year, 2024, we'll be announcing the winners. Now back to the show. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast, bringing a new wavelength to sleep, sleep health, sleep medicine, and sleep technology. All right, I'm trying out a new tagline, guys, so forgive me here. Um, <laughs> that was not a co-host approved. What'd you say? I said that wasn't, that wasn't co-host approved. That was not co-host approved, but hey. We got to have something, right? And talking about co-hosts, with your friends and co-hosts, Emerson Kerr, Robert Miller, and me, Dr. Gerald George Money Corote. Uh, folks, we thank you so much. We're, we're just growing and growing all because of you. And we want you to remember to hit the like button, hit subscribe. Don't forget, most importantly, to share the podcast, share the show with, your ho with all of your friends out there. With that being said, Robert, can you... Tell us what's going on today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jerry. Um, we have with us today Dr. Ellie Gottlieb, who is a sleep neuroscientist with over 10 years of sleep, circadian rhythm, and neuroscience research experience across academia, uh, clinical neuroscience as a, as a specialty, and industry Fortune 100 startups. Currently, he leads applied science, sleep science at Sleep Score Labs, a joint venture of ResMed, leveraging validated non-contact consumer technology and ML-driven sleep improvement features to characterize and improve population sleep health. Prior to joining Sleep Score, Dr. Gottlieb was, uh, led a team of researchers at J&J &J working on the Lake Nona Life Project, a multi-general study aimed at identifying health factors that contribute to long-term health and wellness. He remains a visiting researcher at the Florey Institute of Neuroscience and University of Melbourne in Australia where he investigates associations between cerebrovascular disease, neurodegenerative disease, and sleep-wake dysfunction. His areas of interest are in clinical sleep neuroscience, consumer sleep and health technology, big data, behavior science, uh, change science, and science communication. Um, I think every week, by the way, before we before I let you get started, uh, Dr. Gottlieb, we <laughs> we seem to continue to elevate our level of intelligence here on this. Uh, this program. So we appreciate you joining us and, and uh, elevating the, uh, the discussion here today about sleep. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get the conversation going. 
So before we, before we jump into your personal story and how you got into sleep medicine, do you mind sharing with our audience a little bit more about who and what Sleep Score Lab is? Uh, I, I know that there is the joint venture component that involves the ResMed, which is, uh, is interesting for sure. And I think that the company, if I remember correctly, was a, as it started up, was a joint venture between Dr. Oz and, uh, and ResMed. Uh, I think that probably has changed. Maybe it's changed over time, but tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah, so SleepScore is is really an end-to-end -end sleep company. Uh, many of the companies in the consumer sleep tech space are sort of business-to-consumer, direct-to-consumer companies. SleepScore Labs is, is what's known as a B2B2C company, right? We really help other companies with our knowledge, uh, our proprietary technology, and our data. Um, so we have R&D innovation and, and sleep product consultancy services, particularly around you know, our many strategic partnerships with companies like uh, L'Oreal, Mattress Firm, International Flavors and Fragrances. We, we do some platform integration and co-branding of our app. So white labeling our technology to, to leading organizations. Uh, we develop really bespoke content. We have over a hundred million hours of objectively measured data. Um, so we use that to not just develop really interesting and engaging content, but also publish that, right? We, we sort of, we say that we like to publish what we preach. Um, instead of just practicing it. So we, we really, we have a, an in, we have a really end-to-end -end offerings when it comes to, to sleep improvement. Um, and it really, you know, really at our core is our, our sleep measurement technology uh, that is in some ways sort of the antithesis of polysomnography, right? That has remained this quasi gold standard since the 1960s. Really, we think that um, to measure sleep well, uh, sleep should be measured in the most non-invasive way possible, in a longitudinal and ecologically valid way. Um, and that's why we, we developed two pieces of technology. The first is called the Sleep Score Max, and it uses a radio frequency. It's a non-contact biomotion sensor that just sits on the bedside, and it uses radio frequency uh, to gauge two things, gross body motion and respiration. And from that, we can stage sleep in a very accurate way, uh, 90 plus percent overall accuracy and, and greater than 55 to 60% specificity, which is you know, a big issue in, in, in the sleep space, as you probably know, specificity. Um, and we have over 13 plus performance evaluation studies to date on the technology. So it's been validated in a range of populations across multiple studies. Um, but we also know that in order to measure sleep well uh, and scale the technology, it needs to be accessible to the everyday, to the average person who might not be willing to spend $150 on a, on a specialist hardware device, which is when we developed the Sleep Score app. So that essentially turns your smartphone into an active sonar device, sends inaudible sound waves to the upper area of the body. And from that, we also get gross body motion and, and respiration. And to our knowledge, uh, it's really the only widely available mobile sleep app with publication of its performance against PSG showing 85% overall accuracy. So um, incredibly accurate piece of technology, but the truth is we are not a measurement company. We're a sleep improvement company, right? So uh, Dr. Rory Raymond, who's one of our scientific advisors, he always says that this sort of, so what? So what I slept six hours or five hours, what the heck am I gonna do about it? So that objectively measured data is used in a, in a robust way as part of our advice engine. Uh, so all that objectively measured data is fed into an advice engine where then we can provide um, really bespoke and tailored, uh, tailored and personalized advice to our users, 
um, and to our partners as well. So that's uh, a very high level overview of our tech. We do, we do a lot as a company. Uh, we also have a, you know, a huge R&D uh, program as part of the company where we essentially conduct validation studies on existing consumer sleep tech. Um, and we also power and innovate new ones. Um, so we're, as I mentioned, end-to-end -end and doing a lot of great things in the space. So I have noticed um, at the last couple of, uh, you know, annual national sleep conferences that Sleep Score Labs always seems to come, you know, with several research projects that are that are pretty significant, you know, from an industry standpoint. Have you, uh, do you guys have something in store for this year that uh, will, you know, um, make a splash like you have the last couple of sleep meetings? Yeah, yeah. So we're really proud, like I said, of our of our publications and our presentations of our, you know, of, of some of our big data analyses and and obviously the val product product validation studies as well. Um, as I mentioned, we like to publish what we preach instead of just practicing it. Um, so last year at the sleep conference alone, I think we had 14 abstracts um, on a range of topics. Uh, this year, I think we'll have closer to six, between six to eight. Um, and the great thing is, as part of our, we have a lot of academic collaborators as well, from NASA to UNC Chapel Hill. So a lot of our academic partners who are, are leveraging our technology are also starting to publish uh, some of the work based on, you know, that used our, our measurement tech. So, um, yeah, absolutely. This year will be another fantastic year at the SEEP conference. We'll be presenting. Um, and we're also excited to showcase some of the existing work. Uh, from our academic collaborators, um, mainly at, at, at UW. So um, uh, Nate Watson, past president of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, he's he's doing some really great work using our technology, uh, both our measurement and our sleep improvement features. So, um, Ellie, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, first off, amazing to to hear all of this, all that's going on. How did you get into this? How did you first off get into sleep? I mean, that's uh, you know, you're a neuroscientist who thinks of, hey, I want to research sleep. You don't hear that very often. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like many people in the sleep space now, you sort of serendipitously get thrown into it. So. Um, very nerdy story, but as you know, during my undergraduate psychology degree and, and neuroscience degree, I uh, I knew I wanted to go to graduate school, um, and I was looking for a uh, a professor who was taking a research student to do some actual you know research as part of my undergrad degree, and the only person that was available was a was a was a, a sleep scientist, a sleep person, uh, Dr. Suzanne Woodward, um, and. Together, we were, I think, one of the first to look at the effects of blue light on sleep. So we looked at blue light blocking lenses and uh, an app called Flux uh, and, and sort of found what is now generally considered, you know, common knowledge is that excessive use of bright screens, you know, in, in the hour or two before bed can potentially delay our, you know, our circadian clock um, and perhaps blue light filtering lenses as well can, can uh, normalize that effect. So. Uh, I subsequently enrolled in a, a psychology of dreams course, and that just fanned the flame, right? Uh, it, which was sort of ironic, given that most of the students in that class were very chronically sleep deprived. Uh, so it was uh, an incredibly, you know, uh, edifying experience. And uh, and then from there, I was at Johnson and Johnson uh, doing some great work on the Lake Nona Life Project. This long term 
health study that was trying to, to replicate the Framingham Heart Study, uh, which is sort of everything we know now about you know, smoking causing cardiovascular disease and you know, what are the sort of common contributors to uh, mortality. That, that, that really all comes from um, the Framingham Heart Study. So uh, I did some great work with them and leading some sleep research um, and trying to uncover what, what happens when you live in a community that is focused around health and wellness uh, in, in homes that are built to improve overall health, does that actually translate to improvements in, in behavior and cognition and, and, and health outcomes? So, uh, a bit of everything is, is in short, is how I got into here. That's that quite a journey. Right. Yeah, that's quite a journey. I, I wanted, I was curious when you bring all of that back together, um, and you know, your, your journey with what you're doing and then all of that, that, uh, you have now, how does how does all this translate, you know, to to listeners like ours? You know, we we've got the sleep technologists that are you know listening right now. You know, when you when you kind of pull you, you, your history together, how does how does the, what you're doing now? How's it relevant to what they're doing in their lives today? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think as tech as sleep tech improves and as consumer sleep technology improves and becomes more pervasive, we really need to think beyond just clinical populations, I feel like. So really, if you're 10 to 20% of the population that has a sleep disorder, uh, you know, if you're a clinician or myself as a sleep scientist who's sort of, um, you know, knowledgeable of the literature, I, you or I would need would know what would need to happen for this person, right? If you have obstructive sleep apnea, you, you need to see a doctor and you need to get treated whether that's through CPAP or a dental appliance. If you have restless leg syndrome, you need some kind of, you know, probably pharmacological intervention um, or some kind of supplementation uh, or some kind of dopamine promoter. If you have severe clinical insomnia, you need CBTI, you might be more likely to get prescribed a, a benzodiazepine. But for the rest of the population that does not have a clinical sleep disorder, but still really struggles with staying asleep going to sleep on time, waking up too often throughout the night. This is sort of what we call subclinical threshold sleep issues, which depending on the study that you're looking at is between 50 to you know, 50 plus percent of the global population. Where do these people go, right? For the rest of those with subclinical threshold sleep issues, there's no if this, then that, right? Uh, the system really doesn't see these individuals as sick people and their symptoms are, are really so so varied that they require a personalized approach to sleep improvement. Um, there's no silver bullet. So I, I feel that the market is broken for these individuals and we're, we're missing a link for those with subclinical threshold sleep issues beyond basic sleep hygiene practices. So, you know, that's one thing I'm, I'm part of the California uh, Sleep Society and, and give a ton of texts on, on our board as well. Um, and we're, we're trying to understand ways to leverage consumer sleep technology as either an adjunct therapy to existing therapies um, to improve overall you know, behavior and sleep, healthy sleep habits, sleep and circadian habits, um, but also finding more you know, creative ways to you know, you know, potentially embed this technology into measuring compliance uh, and, 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 other, you know, and other ways of the, the clinical experience. So you know, on one hand, we want to obviously improve the existing care of those with sleep disorders, but also not forget about the subclinical threshold uh, population that 
is sort of struggling, right? There's a lot of consumer sleep tech out there that is telling you, for example, that you're not sleeping well, um, but it's not telling you what to do about it. Uh, and that is potentially contributing to things like orthosomnia, right? Uh, which is this new thing that's coming out, you know, that where people that, especially those that uh, might be at risk of, you know, anxiety or other mental health issues are becoming so obsessed with measuring their sleep that it's actually worsening it, right? It's it's causing sort of a cyclical feedback loop. Um, so, you know, really going beyond sleep measurement into the sleep improvement space, not just for those who have clinical sleep disorders, but thinking more broadly about the subclinical threshold population. I love the fact that you're you're looking at the the total population, the preventative and social aspect of uh, healthcare, particularly in sleep medicine, when it comes to this, and uh, the fact that you're looking at the subclinical population. Uh, what made you think in that direction? What made you go there? Yeah. It's a great question. And I actually think it started with um, inspiration from Martin Seligman and the field of positive psychology. So uh, just some background, um, Martin Seligman is sort of the founder of this you know, field of positive psychology. And he was the past president of the American Psychological Association. And what he essentially found was that, you know, there's been so much research and clinical care into those who have mental health issues essentially getting someone from negative 20 to zero. But instead of trying to treat the sick, how do we get, how do we essentially foster genius? And how do we get someone who is doing okay to great? So instead of getting someone from negative 20 to zero, how do we get someone from zero to plus 20? Um, and that started this whole you know, uh, field of, of scientific study of happiness. And I actually think there's a lot of parallels in the sleep space. We know that there's some research now on the effects of uh, mindfulness meditation on sleep, even gratitude and sleep. These are some like, you know, sort of out there ideas, but there's a lot of synergy between the two spaces. And just like conceptually thinking, you know, a lot of people don't, again, have a primary sleep disorder, um, but they still want to improve their sleep. And there's no clear pathway to do that right now. So it sort of started with, with the field of positive psychology, uh, leveraging you know, non-invasive, potentially non-pharmacological approaches to improving overall sleep health and circadian health as well. I think that's an understudied um, area, uh, the circadian space. So Ellie, who, who would you say is the, um, is, would be the target um, you know, group to to take a look at adding sleep score to their program. Uh, sleep labs, physician practices, DMEs. What what will be the uh, the group that you guys would would want to reach out and, and make contact with you to talk about the the program? Because it, this seems like it could be an adjunct to the work yeah. that's already being done by many sleep providers, sleep labs, and and DME companies. Yeah, exactly. I think anyone who's looking to add. Um, an evidence-based approach to improving overall sleep health in their population. So if you have an, if you're essentially treating a sleep disorder with a pharmacological agent or some kind of device, but you see that that, you know, group or individual is still, um, you know, they're, they're, they're still suffering from, from either poor sleep hygiene, poor sleep habits, or unrefreshing sleep, that's looking to take a more personalized approach 
uh, not just to sleep improvement, but also to, to measuring, right? To measuring their own sleep. Because we always say, if, if you can't measure it, you can't fix it. So um, we, you know, for any, any group uh, that's really looking to add an evidence-based approach to overall sleep health, um, you know, I, I would love to have a conversation with them. So, Doc, we're, unfortunately, we're out of time. And uh, one of my, back in my clinical practice, one of the things that really fascinated me was circadian rhythms. And I wish we had more time to talk about it. But is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you really want to uh, let the audience know before we, we say goodbye? Um, yeah, no, I, I wish we would have spoken about circadian rhythms as well, because I think it's an utter underutilized space, especially as a as a way to, at least in the consumer space, um, not just improve health and wellness, but optimize, you know, cognition, physical activity, um, and, and really personalized timing of recommendations on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, I would love, you know, if you'd have me back one day, I'd love to discuss the circadian space. Um, and, and yeah, I, one thing I would just highlight is, uh, again, remember those that don't have a clinical sleep disorder that are still really struggling to, to get their, either their, their quality sleep or quantity of sleep. Um, and, and there are evidence-based ways that are non-invasive measurement technologies that are non-contact um, to, to either measure or improve. So I'm excited to see what the future of sleep tech holds and, and I'm really excited to, and, and grateful to, to be on here to speak with you about it. Hey, we, we thank you for being on here. You know, we're just as excited about the future of sleep technology and uh, that's why we have this, this show. And uh, those of you who are uh, listening on the podcast and not looking at you, watching it on YouTube, uh, doctor here doesn't look like your typical scientist. He has great hair, cool accessories, uh, you know, an awesome beard that that competes with mine. So I just <laughs> I just want to say uh, uh, you've got to you've got to jump onto YouTube and check him out. Okay, and so but Doc, we're so thankful that you joined us. We we sincerely appreciate you being here. We too are grateful that you joined us, and we just might have you back to talk about circadian rhythms. It'll be fun to have that conversation as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for all you do for the overall population health, you know, sleep health space and and, and the sleep tech space as, as a whole as well. So thank you so much for having me and, and, and hopefully, hopefully talk to you soon again. Well, thank you. And thank all of you. All of you are doing exactly what Doc just said. We appreciate what you all do for the sleep uh, industry, for the sleep health, overall sleep health of the entire population and for sleep technology. And we thank you so much for listening to our show. Please, once again, don't forget to smash that like button. Don't forget to give us the star ratings, whatever it is, whatever platform you guys are looking at, comments, all that stuff. Most importantly, please do share this. We can't grow without you. And until next time, we just want to say thank you and lights on. All right, folks, a quick message from our sponsors, React Health. React Health formerly 3B Medical, a leading provider of sleep, sleep diagnostic, and respiratory products. Now back to the show. All right. Um, man, postcals, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot. Time flew by, and he used a lot of big words. I felt uh, like I needed to refer to my old SAT uh, booklet, 1,100 um, words you need to know for your SAT. Um, yeah. That's how I felt. Would you? Would you guys think? You know, 
I want to start off with this just because I want to make sure that the audience uh, heard this message that Sleep Score Labs, uh, the, the company and the products and services they have, um, could be a, an add-on to your current sleep program. So, you know, definitely visit their website. Uh, when we post the podcast, we'll, we'll post a link to their website. But, you know, give those guys a, a, a call and see where their program may, you know, uh, support some of the things that you're doing in the, the sleep lab, in the sleep physician's office, and, and also at the home medical equipment providers. That's a great point, uh, Robert. And I just want the audience to know this episode is not sponsored. They're, uh, they're not a sponsor of our show. Uh, it's just we think that technology is really cool. Just talking to Dr. Gottlieb, it just sounds so fascinating. And it sounds like it could be an adjunct to what you have going on already. You know, when you think about one of the things we heard when we talked to, to one of our other guests about some of these wearables, is, and, and we heard this from Dr. Gottlieb, is validated you know, tools. This is one of those tools that's been researched, been validated, and so much of what our 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 listeners, patients have to manage is then bringing in tools that don't have that validation, don't have those proofs. And so, I think that's something that really stood out to me is this is technology they can lean on, independently verified and validated. You know, as a as an adjunct to their care, as as you were pointing out, Robert and just helping them really help that patient navigate that the plethora of data that's out there about how they could or couldn't be sleeping well. So, I mean, what a great asset to our sleep educators, sleep coaches, uh, you know, sleep doctors that are out there trying to help their patients navigate the the labyrinth, the over-the-counter uh, diagnostic or not even diagnostic, but uh, tools for looking at sleep. You know, when you say that, that reminds me of what I, my biggest takeaway from our conversation was the ability to reach out to those patients, the subpathological uh, patient groups, the ones that don't have the typical symptoms that they would go into the doctor for, and how could we educate them? We've had some guests on our show that go out and do this for a living, teach people how to sleep well or teach organizations how to sleep well. And they're doing really well because they're reaching out to the general public. One of our friends from the show, she regularly appears on the, on the local news talking about it. And something like this, uh, this uh, product could definitely help with that to, to reach a wider group of people, a wider population and help improve that overall education and knowledge of sleep health. Um, to me, that was the, probably the biggest takeaway for me and the most fascinating thing, the ability we to- definitely to bring him back on, on that subclinical aspect. Cause that's where I was like, oh my gosh, we need another 20 minutes just to talk about that. Exactly. Because you think about the number of patients that are either are sleepy, can't fall asleep. You know, they have one of the either uh, sleep disorder breathing or waking disorder. And there's really not a good answer for them and because they don't meet the standard criteria. It's like I, I was sharing with a group the other day, you know, just with obstructive sleep apnea, that original testing was based on older white men. Right. That, well, that leads out people of color, younger white men, all women. You know, so when we begin to look at these, these categories now around the phenotypes and everything, these kind of tools are just become priceless because it really opens up the world for our clinicians to really be assets to their patients and 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 do more than we've ever been able to do before. 
Robert, are you pondering something? It sounds like your wheels are turning there, yeah. or it looks like rather. Yeah, no, I'm, it like. yeah, no I am. I'm, I'm just thinking that, you know, I, I could see, you know, everything that I talk about, I think, seems to go back to inpatient sleep apnea screening. And I could see uses for some of that no contact, at, at least to, you know, as a, as a pre-screening, um, you know, while the patient's in the hospital. So it's not one more thing that they have to wear while, while they're there. But if there is an 85% correlation to, to you know, in-lab PSG, that, that would be a fantastic tool. I love that. Um, to use patients in the hospital. I love that. That's just on the bedside and um, they can they can monitor the patient while they are there. That's man, that's a fantastic idea. I don't have one of the new models, but I do have one of the older S plus. I don't know if you guys remember when ResMed came out with the S plus. So that has become part of the fleet, I think, for sleep score labs. And um, it, to when you were able to pull up the app and watch your your actual breathing, you know, respirations on the screen. And there's no belts connected to you. It's it's pretty amazing technology. That is really cool. That is really cool. Um, with that, on a cool note, you guys ready to close? Yeah. All right. I think late in the day. Late, late, in, late the day. in the day. We got to. Yeah, I think we're all exhausted here. But uh, folks, we're not exhausted w with you. We want you to keep coming back. I save. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to come yeah. back with more episodes for you. We've got uh, a ton of guests lined up and we're excited to bring them on. Uh, but until next time, we want to say thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you so much for all the love you've shared with us. Please don't forget to share the love with everybody else and get more people talking about Sleep Tech Talk because that's what it's about. It's about the talk and walking the talk. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>